I would say probably when my divorce hit me, it really made me take a step back and reevaluate life. But I just really learned to listen to people, like listen to the team and just not always think, oh, it's my way or the highway. Like, oh, I'm the owner. I said, that doesn't, that doesn't mean anything. It really doesn't. Sometimes you have to do that. But that has probably been my greatest strength is just really been able to learn that the team around you is, is, is there to help and leaning on them and, and, and being there to help them. And then, like I said, the numbers deal, like I just, I have a stream knack for numbers and an aggressiveness for putting deals together and finding deals. Welcome to the Freedom Chasers podcast, where we bring you interviews and discussions that share the stories, successes, goals, and dreams of real estate agents and real estate investors pursuing a life of purpose and freedom. All right, guys, today we have Brian H. Ferguson on, him and his business partner, who's a veteran, have been in the business for a little while, and what they have done is nothing short of incredible. We're talking 150, 200 flips a year. We're talking about ground-up residential developments, and then we're talking about the money that they've made they've placed in their own holding companies where they own a lot of units through apartment complexes and through commercial shopping malls. Not to mention, they're starting to do some syndications. Most people, if they ever buy an apartment complex, have to do so with most of the money coming from other people. In their case, they were able to do a lot of it with the profits from their other divisions. So this is tremendous what you guys have accomplished. And if you'll take us in right away, what is the craziest real estate transaction or experience you've faced so far? Oh man, you know, I've been trying to, ever since I saw the email thinking about that in 18 years, we have so many of them, but um, you know, our, our biggest focus being into the multifamily and the long-term holding world, I, I picked one that I thought tied into that. So go back, gosh, this is 15, this has been 2009. So we're talking what, 13, 14 years there. Um, you know, we used to go to all the realtor functions, not realtors, that's not what we do. And we were just flipping houses. And at the time, you know, people asked, why don't you have any rentals? And our response was always, why am I going to wait 25 years to get paid when I can get paid, you know, next month, right? Like who would want to do that? That's stupid. Um, and so I'm at a realtor function and one of the bigger realtors in town approaches me and he said, you know, I got this apartment complex. You should buy it. I said, you know, I've been, I want to try to buy apartments. And he said, it's a you know, 16 unit complex. It's a doctor selling it. He had a tenant move out and they had a small issue and, you know, but he'll sell it to you for, $75,000. I thought, $75,000, you can't go wrong, right? So I agreed, you know, and we view everything, but I was so busy. I thought $75,000. We put it under contract. It was a cash closing. So we close on the deal. Get out there. Well, the small issue had been a house, had been an apartment fire on the bottom, taking out that unit, the one above it, about five going down, the whole thing structurally unsound. I mean, it's, there's no other way. If I tear the place down, the lot's not worth that. So we, we just dove in and we pretty much flipped it. Um, and that put us in the rental business. And the crazy piece of, I mean, we had to go through kicking out people that had, they'd been living there years, hadn't paid rent. I don't know if there was one person paying the $300 a month at the time. It was, it was just it was a terrible year or time. But we got through it, flipped the whole thing. And I tell that one because I still have that in our portfolio. I would not something we would buy today, but I still have it. I've probably refied it over the past 14 years, five times. And it became the, the basis for our line of credits that have helped us grow to where we are today. So this, you know, this asset that we never would have wanted bumped into a guy at a realtor convention, bought it, and it streamlined the 600, you know, 600 door unit that we have today all started from that. And it's still there holding, securing a line of credit at, you know, I don't know how many thousand percent value at this point, but so.
That's incredible. And it just goes to show the value of relationships, right? Are more important than the deal itself. The deal Absolutely. sometimes might be a losing dog, but if it leads to the right relationship, speaking of relationships, take me into the relationship you have with your business partner. Like how did that form? And so interesting deal. So I, um, I was 17 year old kid, uh, you know, dad got hurt in the oil field, went back and got a degree teaching four year old kids. That's obviously a pay change. Um, you know, and we had been struggling for years coming through my teenage years and I decided I was gonna go sell motorcycles and first month there, I sold a motorcycle at Christmas to a guy that ran a car dealership. He asked me to come sell cars for him. Fast forward, I did that. And that's when I met my business partner. We, uh, we were selling cars together. He ended up taking over as a sales manager. I took over as a finance manager and finance director for that auto group. And we worked together a few years. Um, watching a lot of TV. That's back when the old, the original flip this house was on, you know, the, the 2006 mm -hmm. model. Um, and you know, we found a house, bought it, flipped one, one turned into three to five. He left. Uh, then before you know it, we're flipping 10. It was too much. So I left. We both left our jobs and started a house flipping company in 2006, 2007. The rest was kind of history. So, so just take us rapid, rapidly through the progression I mean, obviously you guys are doing some pretty incredible things. Was it just, just a matter of, Hey, you, you kind of got bored at some point of flipping houses. I mean, I know you guys still do it, but what led you guys into apartments? What led you guys into commercial, you know, the shopping malls? Sure. So, yeah, I mean, the house flipping was always our first thing. That's what generated the cash. It, 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 you know, it's allowed everything to happen thus far. I mean, we started out literally, we did our own paint. We hung our own ceiling fans. We did everything. Um, and then we got into the apartments, like I said, you know, we'd had a few, well, the apartment complexes have got us into, that's what got us into the complexes. But, you know, we, we started this in 06, 07, 08. So not a great time. You know, we didn't pay attention to the fact we were going into a great recession. And so we had houses, we were buying, you know, you're buying 10, $20,000 tax sales, but you put a little money to them. You couldn't sell them. We had stuff that just wouldn't sell. So instead of taking losses, we just held them and we rented them. You know, obviously if you fast forward that the past three years, we've, we've been able to sell out of those and really level up 1031 into some other stuff. So that's how we got into the rental thing. Uh, and we started buying a few apartments years later that got a lot bigger. Um, uh, we got into the building. There was, we'd bought a, some, just some raw dirt lots and we saw all these guys building houses. And we thought, I mean, if they're doing it, sure, we can build one. And so we built, uh, we built a spec on it. We made some money and we decided we liked that aspect. And it was never really supposed to be a full blown business. That wasn't the deal. Uh, we came across another property, put a road in, said, okay, we have some lots and this, the output of people and can you build me a house? Can you do this? You know, and that was in 2014, we built our first house. So in a few years, it turned into multi, multiple subdivisions. We we're doing 50, 60 houses a year, custom homes up to a couple million dollars. It just, it just spurred organically. It was never an intention. Um, and now it, it, it's a division that we, we have today. Um, through all that point, we started, I would say about 2017, um, we'd been buying a few rentals and fourplexes along the way, but 17 is when we really wanted to get into the, some bigger deals. So 17, 18, we started buying a few bigger deals. We're eventually buying 100, 150, you know, larger complexes. Uh, and we did that for a few years. Uh, and then we decided to get into commercial probably I guess 18, 19, we really have a, we have a pretty good niche and a love for uh, triple net shopping centers, retail base. And we're not talking HEBs, Walmart, you know, stuff like that. We're talking more so 20, you know, a center filled with 2,500 square foot, maybe one big anchor 
Like we own one, it's got a Planet Fitness that eats up, and then we got eight other 2,500, 1,500. Some of them are national tenants, sure, but some of them are, you know, the local nail salon, the local barber, you know. I love that deal, man. You know, they're, they're partners with us in that center. Like their success is, we're, we're dependent on that. They're dependent on us. And um, I love watching that grow. And now we have people that have opened multiple locations in our centers throughout town and other places. And I, I love that piece of it. I really do have a big passion for it. So it just kind of, I mean, it just kind of organically grew. You know, we went from one house, to, it didn't go from one to a hundred. It just went to one. We were able to buy two. And then as we're making money, we put money down, we buy apartments, we'd hold on to stuff. And it just, it's just organically grown. You know, until obviously we hit that syndication piece last year that we stumbled upon. It was an accidental thing, but um, now it's it's moving much much faster. Obviously, yeah, yeah. Now that you're taking on additional money, etc. So it seems fast as we play through it, but I mean, this is a 17, 18 year journey. I mean, if you're talking 2006 to today, so from the point where you started flipping to the point where you started venturing out into development, you said 2004. I mean, I mean, excuse me, 2013 or 14. So you're talking seven or eight years. So take us through that seven, yeah. or, seven or eight years. Was it just like getting into a rhythm and just running or how were you guys thinking about the business? Yeah, I mean, you know, the obviously the the first, you know, 06, I was still working. 07, I was working. 08 is when I, you know, kind of made a decision, walked out of, you know, my, my W-2. Um, and we started growing a little faster, but again, we were still coming off the recession. It was hard. We had property that wouldn't sell. We had, it was harder to get loans. Um, you know, and we looked off our savings. I don't, I don't think we took a paycheck or a distribution from the company until mid to late 2009. So, I mean, this was, you know, we went, I walked out, it was a year and a half of just living off of savings. Honestly, we would survive by flipping our personal houses. We would buy something, move into it, remodel it while we live there. You'd live there a year. You'd have to sell it to pull your equity out just to pay the bills to keep going. But by doing that, we were able to dump every penny back in. We didn't, you know, we drove, I mean, I remember my first truck I bought, you know, was it, you know, pay 5,000 cash. I do a little work, sell it for eight, do a little work, sell it for 12. So that five turned into my $50,000 truck, but we just, we hammered through and grew it. And we knew that was our game plan from the beginning. We knew we didn't want to, Oh, you know, we just made 30,000 on this house. Let's go to the casino. That just never was our thought, but you know, so I'd say 08, 09, we were still getting out of that recession piece. Um, and then as things started getting better, you know, we just, it took us a few years, you know, I'd say nine, we were probably doing 20 or 30. And then by 12, we were up in the hundred plus range. Um, and then about that time, I'd say 12, number, number of transactions per year. Yeah. Number of transactions per year. Um, and then it just got to the point, you know, you know, this has all been done in Victoria, you know, Online will tell you it's 65,000 population. I'm going to tell you it's about 100, 110 easily. Um, I dispute that. I have for 15 years, but you know, we, we wanted to do something different. So we started looking at the land development. We just started looking, what is everyone else doing? And now along that way, there's definitely some um, road bumps that we hit. You know, we bought a bowling alley, bowling alley for the real estate and then decided to open the bowling alley. Well, from 2009 to 2010, I would talk about a time suck and a terrible idea. Um, <laughs> you, you learn to stay in your lane pretty quick. We learned real estate was our thing. Yeah. I mean, I was bartending it. That's, that's probably the story I should have told earlier. I mean, I remember bartending at 2 a.m. thinking, what the heck are we doing? You know, not even getting a paycheck out of it, but it was the only way. And we finally licked our wounds and actually traded the bowling alley to a nonprofit for some duplexes, you know, just to walk away. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, there was definitely some road bumps there. And then, you know, when we bought that first complex, um, you know, 2009, when we got our, bought our first apartment complex, you know, we were still flipping, but we spent a lot of time doing that. 
So focus shifted along the way, you know, and the more we built a team, the more we took on other things. But, you know, again, we went from just being two of us and then finally had a part-time secretary and we just grew that. We grew it as we could afford it without taking on a bunch of debt and just paying for it, which has left us where we're at today. You know, we have large, we, you know, we self-fund with our own lines of credit and things like that. But it took those six years of just the hard way of doing it. No employees, no labor costs, you know, internally, et cetera. So break it down for me. And if this gets a little bit too personal, just let me know. No, break down right. the numbers. I mean, 2789. I mean, you're constantly putting all of your flip money back in. Give us an idea of how much that was. Like, how much were you doing on a flip on average? How big did you want to see that bank account grow before you finally like, look, we've arrived, we can start pulling? So, you know, our, our, I would say, you know, back then, if you could pull 20, 25,000 out of a flip was great. Um, you know, if you're obviously if you're doing 30, 40, 50 of those, you can multiply it there. Um, but what we would do is we would stack until we had enough to where we could say, okay, do we have that six months, that six month of we can survive six months paying? Because, you know, at a certain point we had we had employees, but we weren't paying ourselves. Can we pay the office rent? Can we pay all this for six to eight months? And then anything above that, let's go put that as a down payment. And let's buy this fourplex. Let's buy this duplex. Um, and it, it we did well, you know, like we didn't use syndication back then in the word, the way it's used now, but we would bring in private investors for the aspect of just pure private money. You know, we had deals worked out. I remember, I remember in that 08, 09, the auction, you know, foreclosure sales were pretty good. And we go to the steps and I had a guy set up that trusted us, you know, he'd hand us a couple million dollars and it was at 18%. He got 18% interest on whatever we bought and he got a 10% acquisition fee on the purchase. So I buy a $200,000 house, he's taking 20 grand and 18%, but the funds were unlimited, you know? And, you know, there was deals to where to make that work because he was taking such a hit out of us, you know, we had to go in and do some of the work ourselves, but there was no other way for us to, to grow. We had been stuck doing two or three houses and people were, would look at us and say, you're crazy. Remember we bought this two story house and the, the, like the country club golf course. And, you know, we bought it. That's the one I'm talking about, $200,000. Yeah, he got 20 grand and 18%. He made 40 something thousand dollars on that deal. We still made another 80 though. So at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what he made if we still made the 80, you know, and that's the way we looked at it. And a lot of people, I guess, see that differently, but we were fine doing that. So, and again, we would just, but in the, the numbers of it all, that's basically what we did. We made sure we had that, that basic to where we could cover ourselves for six months minimal. And then anything above that, we would go put into a long-term holding or maybe a bigger flip. Uh, you know, we did to the mobile home park in 2010, you know, things like that, just larger items. So how did you decide between, so, you, so the first priority is get six months of expenses for you, the staff, the team, et cetera. But then there were, it seems to be like two priorities, buy more real estate that you hold personally and your personal income. how did you guys factor the equation to when you pull personally and when you buy more real estate? You know, if we didn't need it, we didn't take it. And again, we did the personal flips and that's, that helped us because, you know, when you're living in a house, putting your personal touches and your wife's doing the decorating, you make pretty good turns on that stuff. And they were normally a little bit higher end stuff that had more profit built into them. So, I mean, if, if I could, if I just turned a house that I was living in and put a hundred, 150 grand in there and I could live off of that for the next 12 to 18 months. And there was another 200 grand sitting liquid in our bank account on the business side. We'd go buy something that produced income, you know, and again, we were both okay with it. We knew that we, we, we knew it was going to be a 10 to 15 year grind to get to that goal where we really wanted to be. 
you know, we had no, at the time, you know, we started out, we're not married. We didn't have kids. I'd say that's probably where it started changing for us, honestly. You know, uh, he got married in nine. I got married in 11. Um, his daughter, his first kid, his daughter came along in later, uh, I think 10. Mine was born in 12. Then at that point, that's when we said, okay, then we need to take out some draws, take out some paychecks. You know, you might got to take off a few days here or there. We can't work Saturday and Sunday all day, every day. It started changing a little bit at that point. But um, so, I mean, I applaud people who get into this when they already have the younger kids and the wife. Uh, I, I bet the grind's a lot harder. You know, back then for us, there was nothing else to do, you know. Yeah, you're loving, you're loving life. You're loving what you're doing. You're seeing the vision. You're moving towards it. Why not give it everything you've got? Which is such a great lesson for people out there, right? Like, I mean, you're putting about as close to 100% of the money as humanly possible to the growth of your passive might not be the right word, but you know, your holdings at least at a minimum. Yeah. So, so how, how did family change things for you guys? You know, it definitely changes the way you see it. You know, you go from, you're working 80, 90 hours a week, which I mean, to be fair, I've transitioned back into that position now as we've gone through some certain growth cycles and some, uh, a few challenges we're going through now I'm, I'm back to that. But the difference is, you know, if I'm working on a Saturday, I have my laptop out and the kids are playing and you know, that, that's that, you know, I'm working three hours on a Saturday morning that way. I'm not, back then I'm, I'm doing the showings. I'm out checking on the contractors. I'm out, you know, you, we were the GC, the salesperson, the, the, you know, the acquisitions team, we were all of it. So, you know, but it definitely changed in the aspect of, and for me, you know, I'll be honest, it didn't change right away. You know, I got married, my son was born in 12. I ended up divorced in 16 because it didn't a flip, didn't switch, you know, a, a switch didn't just flip and change for me. Evaluated. I need to take some paychecks and all that. You know, we need a bigger house. Kids need a yard to play in. Certain things like that. But I still was pushing the hours through. It didn't really change for me until 16 when I got divorced and said, "Okay, you know, I just let it consume me completely." Now, how do we make that balance? And I balance it extremely well now. You know, I just I was in a um, I was in one of Kyle Wilson's books recently, and you know, that's kind of what my chapter was about is 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 that balance. You know, it, it's definitely there. But, you know, I don't know if I would have had to find that balance back in 2006 and 2008. I, I can't say that it'd be sitting in the same place today. I don't I don't know if that's true. It, it definitely takes the grind, you know, to get there. Well, and it's so interesting, too, because I on Wednesday, I interviewed Tarek El Moussa from Flip or Flop. And obviously, okay. you know, it's very public what he went through. And so I got to ask him, was the juice worth the squeeze? And it was very interesting. And he was unequivocally said yes. You know, and and so it's really interesting too, like where and how people find balance and and where they place it, and uh, it, it's really hard to take away that the work ethic and end up, you know, in, in that success spot. So, one thing I'm really curious about is what parts of you have had to change in the last 17 years to become someone capable of doing what you do now. Oh man, that's a good question. Um... Oh gosh, so many, you know, you got to learn to listen, you know, you build a team around it. You, you know, we have 63 employees as we sit today. Um, we've had hundreds, right? Um, I would say in the past, this past year, a year ago, we moved into our new corporate office and our turnover rate is almost nothing. You know, we, all we're doing is adding, whereas the years before, I mean, we cycled 50 to 80%, you know, I mean, I got people that have been here 10 years, but you take the 10 people that have been here 10 years or more and the rest of them will tell you a year two, three, you know, maybe some fives. But, um, you know, you got to learn to, you, you don't micromanage everyone. You have to learn to listen. One of the, the biggest nuggets I've learned is that you surround yourself with people that do things better than you. I no longer believe I am the best at everything. 
I know what I'm good at. And I, I lean on everyone else on my team for the things that they are good at because I know they're better than I am. And that's okay. That's the whole purpose of this, you know? Um, but really learning to listen more than you talk, learning to humble yourself as you go along, you know, uh, uh, that's taken a lot of it. And that's in work and personal life. You know, I, you know, I'm, I'm engaged, I'm engaged to be married soon and we have a daughter and, you know, I always say if, if I'd have done the things then that I do now, heck, I may have still been in that marriage, right? Like, but you learn from experiences in life and that's okay. I would, I would agree with the statement earlier from your Wednesday interview. Like it was a hundred, the juice was a hundred percent worth the squeeze. You know, we've I've gotten to a point where I can change my family's legacy. You know, I didn't come from money. We had, it, it was rough, you know, and my kids won't have it that I hope I can find that the equal medium of showing them what tough can be and learn how to work for something, but still provide for them. But you know, they'll be able to go to a good college. They'll be able to do those things. So if, if going through that for what we had to go through the hard times to get to where we are today, it's a hundred percent worth it. That was, that was the whole goal. In the beginning, it was like, I want to own a lot of real estate and make a lot of money. You know, that, that still stands true today, but that's what you have to do to change your family's legacy. Changing the family legacy is my goal now. You know, I just back then didn't know what, you know, own a lot of real estate, make a lot of money for what? What are you going to do with it? I, don't, I didn't know what the goal was until probably 2011, honestly. Now that you guys are sitting in the position you're in, has making the money lost its luster? You know, I, I say this all the time. To me, it, it's not about the dollars. Like we have to track that. And I've always been the numbers guy in the business. I've been real fortunate that um, the, we, I have someone that, you know, our, runs our accounting that will, you know, head into a CFO position, you know, I see that happen very soon. Um, I've done it because I'm good at numbers. I can just look at math and tell, but it's never been to me that money is just kind of how I'm keeping score or tracking how well we're doing. I, I just, I love it. I love every piece of it. I still love, I just recently had to get, go back in the field. I hadn't walked a house in a flip house in four or five years. Uh, and I hadn't really worked with the sales team in years. Um, but you know, our VP of sales and marketing, uh, had taken another position and, and left. So I've been jumping back in to help train and, you know, I was doing it the other day and one of the managers, we walked away and he's like, man, you look like you're having fun. I'm like, I am. I enjoy it. I still enjoy it to this day. Like, I don't, I don't wake up like, oh, I got to go to work today. Sometimes on Sundays, I'm, I'm ready. Like, I, I want to get back in there tomorrow morning. So I don't think the reason I ever started doing it lost its luster. We love the money, right? We all love nice things, but I, I enjoy every aspect of it. I enjoy watching the tenants. I enjoy watching some, whether it's a ground up or flipping some junky house or taking, you know, we had a hurricane built 134 unit. We spent two years turning into, you know, a C class to an A class property. Like it's just watching that end game of it, knowing, Hey, I did that. Being able to drive by and tell the kids, like we pull in somewhere and we're eating and I'm like, Oh yeah, we just bought this building. You know, that's where it's at for me. The money's great too. Don't get me wrong. Like we, we all want that, but I would say no, nothing. I mean, I still enjoy it as much today as I did 18 years ago. There's something magical about telling your kids like, Hey, I flipped that house. I built this, I did this. Like, yeah. And then like, at, there's a phase of their, I don't know, like where your kids are at, but there's a phase of that where they're like, so enthralled, like, Oh daddy, you're the best. And then, then it gets to the eye roll stage. Like, yeah. where, where are you at with your kids? I would say the eight year old's still like, Oh, okay. Well the four year old just doesn't know at all. Right. Like, okay. Yeah. Hey dad, will they give, will they give us free ice cream? Uh, right. the eight year old is <laughs> exactly. at that, like, and he's going to be, yeah, he's my intricate, like, well, Oh, what, what, what did you buy? How does it work? Tell me about it. What is this? You know, the 10 year old, uh, it'll be yeah, 10. He's going on. He'll be 11 this year. He's at the eye roll stage. Like, okay, great. That's great. Yeah. Dad. <laughs> like, he doesn't care. Yeah. Good job. Yeah. Yeah. 
So let's go back to the hiring because obviously that's been a, a big part of your success. And, you're, and you obviously talk about hiring people that are smarter than you. What are some of the methods that you've used to hire people smarter? And like, can you give us like, who has been now? I mean, I know this is recorded, so you may have to be careful, but what's been your best hire? Oh man. Yeah. I'm be careful on that one. Um, we'll, we'll answer the first beat first. I'll think on the second one, but you know, I would say we're still learning that piece of it. You know, I've always had a few things that I, I try to look for commitment in someone now is, you know, like they come in, I, we have tons of people that have four-year degrees that work for us. Do any of them actually use that four-year degree in their day-to-day? -day? No, probably not. Uh, we love a military background and I don't, I can't say that's just because my partner's a veteran, but it just shows commitment. We like to see commitment. You know, I like to see job stability. Um, this past year, the culture has really done it. I mean, you know, it's, we bought a new corporate office. It's, it has the Google set up, you know, the kitchen has, you know, where you can get food and eat and dartboards and play and booths to sit in, you know, all the cool stuff that's helped a lot. But, you know, a lot of it's a gut, a gut call when I'm in an interview, just talking to someone and showing like, what kind of commitment do they have? You know, cause I truly believe there's skill and then there's just that pure commitment hustle piece of it. And if I feel that in someone, I'll give them a shot. Uh, to the second point, there's no way I could pick a single one. It's not possible. There's a handful of them. There's just no way. There's been so many that were just intricate to where we sit today. Some of them still here. Some of them are not. You know, some of them have moved on. It took me a couple of years ago when I, when I lost a very important um, team member that, you know, at first it was just kind of not bitter, but it, you know, man, they're leaving. I was, I was mad, you know, kind of like angry, like, man, they're leaving. I built them up for 10 years and they're leaving me. And I, now I sit here and think about it and it's like, that's okay. You know, it was time. It was time for them to do their own thing. Never should we want to hold someone back and think they should be with us forever. If they're capable of doing it on their own, let them go, you know? So, but I don't know. I could say one, yeah, I'll put it this way. We have, I probably have, I, you know, can count on one hand or a little bit more of that five to 10 year plus employee level. So there's just some that have just been intricate parts of it. No way we could have done it without them. Well, and then even the person that left you, I mean, the fact that you want them means they were good. They gave you 10 years of their life. Obviously it's led, led you guys way down the path. So what, what do you project? Like what sort of changes in yourself is, is going to need to happen for you to go from where you're at now to the next level? That's a good one, man. And we're really hitting that now. I think we learned. So a year ago we came in and, you know, we had a general manager for years, but then everyone was just a division manager. So all those divisions were separate. It was like a contest. And we, we bought an old Wells Fargo building, did the corporate office build out. I'm telling you about 21,000 square feet set up. And uh, we decided we were going to take, we promoted one person and we made two VPs. So we had a VP of operations, VP of sales and marketing, and we merged everything is what we call our, it's our Fergmar enterprises, put everybody under one umbrella. Like we're going to work as a team. Yeah. You, you focus on new construction, you focus on this, but we're one team. Um, and it's really, while that has been successful, we've definitely had hiccups trying to merge things that weren't ready to be merged or didn't, we didn't hit a soft landing on everything. Um, and I really, I didn't step out, but I've really spent a lot of my focus on the syndication route. I'm traveling, I'm flying, I'm going to conferences. And then the first this year, we started seeing some numbers drop in certain areas and had to say what happened to me and my partner, you know, and it gets really easy for us to, he's going one way and I'm going the other and hell, we may not talk for a month, you know? <laughs> And we're in the same building. And so we, we backtracked that 
Um, we actually just hired a, a business coach company that came in, you know, they met with our leadership team and they're helping us build, you know, new processes and, you know, uh, new response. Like we're, we have a big thing. It's, uh, you know, the responsibility chart. They helped us build it when they came in last week and it's plastered all over the wall. And, you know, funny because the goal is 100 percent. They run these so I can go add to add to the portfolio. And we tried to say, all right, we two guys are VPs. You got it done right i'm gonna go do this no that doesn't work that way you know we, it wasn't fair to them either yeah give them give them the reins but sit there and help them drive for a while um and we, like i said we did not engineer a soft landing on that aspect and we're kind of having to dive back in and we've hired this company and that's probably one of the smartest business decisions i've ever made uh you know they sat in a room and they'd ask us you know they built out all these little squares or rectangles you know all the key you know pieces of the business and they said all right, who's responsible for this? Then you start rattling off names and they go, no, 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 no. One name, one name is responsible for this. So I can't give you one name. Well, then you're not doing it right. You failed, right? We're going to get down to one name. If five people have to do it, that's not a responsibility. You know that you can't share the responsibility on one task. So um, that has been very tough on us is, you know, too many leaders, not enough this. And so we're really trying to rework all that right now. Cool. Who'd you guys hire to coach you? Um, Sharper Group. All right. Sharper Gary Business Harper. Solution. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gary Harper and his group. Yep. Yeah. He was yeah. out in Vegas at Pineda's event. And so he spoke. He was a, he was a very good speaker. Yeah. At which event? Uh, Ryan Pineda had an event in Vegas in January. Okay. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. He's actually, he's doing our uh, 90, 92, 93 day, um, our two day deal that we're we're only a week or so into two weeks into this. So yeah, no, they've been instrumental and we're only 10 days in it's, it's, it's been changing a lot and that we hired them literally the day we hired them is like the day that our VP of sales and marketing took this other position somewhere else. So losing that key piece of it, it's terrible timing, but at the same time, it's, it's forcing us to just really hone in here. Um, it's forced me to get, you know, I was telling my fiance came up and ate lunch with me, her and my daughter came earlier and she said, well, what are you working on today? I said, if you, if you looked at what I worked on a month ago, I haven't touched that today. I haven't touched that yesterday. I'm having to work on that at night because I'm, I'm out there on the floor, you know, I'm with, I'm with the team, but man, it's been eye opening. Just listening to them talk and seeing the things that we need to work on to, to grow. You know, you just, you get in that grind of like, well, everybody's showing up and you know, we're selling stuff and everything's fine. But yeah, like we had one employee and we're talking to her and the biggest deal is she's like, man, the surround sound, because we play music out there and we love it. I think it's cool, right? She's like, the speaker is above my head and it interrupts my calls with my clients. She runs the acquisitions mm -hmm. team and such a small thing. Like that was a big thing for her. It's disturbing her every single day and we're just sitting there. So I'm like, you know, I called the company yesterday. I'm like, I need you out here in the morning. I need it fixed. But you know you don't you don't hear those little things because again you just get in that daily grind and it just becomes second nature and I think you start taking some of it for granted honestly is what happens. I love how vulnerable you've been with sharing this aspect of your business. Let's talk about some of your strengths. So you talk about being in your lane. One of the great things about coming being in your lane is you you develop these unique insights. And what would you say are like some of the greatest lessons or the greatest things that you know as a result of what you've done? You know, my, my, like, if you just look at the business aspect in a, 
like, you know, high level, I guess it would be, I, I'm, I'm definitely a numbers guy. So I've, I've always been able to creatively put deals together on financing, work through all the different lending options. And that's something a lot of people just don't get. You know, I know guys that have a rental portfolio and they, they don't get it. You know, they lean on the banker. Like I'm, I've coached more bankers in my 18 years than I can count. Sometimes they ask a question, I'm mind blown. I'm like, how'd you get this job? Like, how have you been doing this for 20 years, right? Like, I hope none of them watch this, but, uh, you know, like, it's been a fact. But that's that piece, right? What is really, again, years ago, and I would say probably when my divorce hit me, it really made me take a step back and reevaluate life. But I just really learned to listen to people, like, listen to the team and just not always think, oh, it's my way or the highway. Like, oh, I'm the owner. I said, that doesn't, that doesn't mean anything. It really doesn't. Sometimes you have to do that, but that has probably been my greatest strength is just really been able to learn that the team around you is, is, is there to help and leaning on them and, and, and being there to help them. And then, like I said, in the numbers deal, like I just, I have an extreme knack for numbers and an aggressiveness for putting deals together and finding deals. I being, I, I my degrees in math. So we share a, a deep love of numbers. <laughs> I know how that's benefited me. You know how that's benefited for you. If someone's not a numbers person, is it worth that they become one? I mean, given how how much it matters in our business, what would you say to somebody who I don't maybe not I don't know that you can. It's it's funny, you know. So my VP of operations is the the guy is he's thirty. Man, I should know this, right? He's thirty. He's been with me ten years. So since he was twenty. I think he's 32. He's been here since he was 22. His wife uh, runs our accounting department. And she's been, I think she was 20 when she started. So yeah, he's 32. But anyway, guy is just, I mean, straight genius level. I mean, he can, he's never taken a day of college. I think he went for a little bit. I don't, I don't, I don't not long, but he can read anything, put anything together. Right. Super smart guy, but we have very different traits when it comes to it. Like I consider myself a pretty smart guy. But, you know, the other day he said something, he goes, well, you know, it's, uh, it's, you know, it's $2,000 a month. I mean, heck, that's $36,000 a year. I went, I'm sorry. <laughs> He's like, what? $24,000 a year. He yep. He's like, look, you know, I still think I'm the second best person in math. It's just a far <laughs> second from your first, right? Like I just right. have that. I can, I can look, he'll spend eight hours putting together a spreadsheet and I can look at it and go, that's wrong. What's wrong about it? I'm like, that, that's wrong. That doesn't add up there. Well, how do you know? I don't know the math to get to it. I can't even break down the math of how you got it. Same thing with my son's homework, right? On a lower level, the long, I can look at the long division and go, that's wrong. I know that's not right, but it takes me a second. I can look at it and do it in my head. I just got to process it. So to answer your question, I guess what I'm saying is he's been with me 10 years. He's worked, he worked with me side by side, sat in an office with me. That's why he's become so intricate. He knows it all. And he's a smart guy he hasn't gotten to that point of learning at all. So I, no, to answer your question, like if that's not your strong point, I, I, I think I've learned now that no, you don't need that. Like go hire a CFO. Like it's okay. You don't have to know the math. Go hire a CFO, make sure it's one you trust. Cause that's a scary part of the business to not have someone you trust. But like, if you don't know how to do spreadsheet building, hire a spreadsheet builder. Like, you know, we, we had superintendents doing spreadsheets for the longest time. And then we're like, we sat in a room and we're like, they're not good at spreadsheets. Why are they doing spreadsheets? Like if the girl that types 15 words a minute is the one that's typing all your, you know, all your scopes for all your jobs or your resume, that's stupid. Get the girl that types 75 words a minute. And but it takes years in business to really figure that out. You're just, well, no, this is your job. I need you to do this because I pay you. It, it doesn't matter, you know, like, so 
I don't, I don't think you need to learn that. I've really learned that this past year. Like, you know, I told them at the beginning of the year, we brought everybody in and said, you know, we are going to go, we're not restructuring. We're, we're, we're growth structuring. We're structuring for growth. I said, we're going to hire this company and they're going to come in. I said, at the end of the day, they come in and we determine that Brian should not be the CEO of this company. And Brian is better as just a, 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 a vis, you know, a visual person, like inspirational leader or whatever it is. And they say, you need to go hire a CEO. We're going to put an ad out and hire a CEO. Cause I'm at the point in life. If I'm okay, humbling myself to know like that's not what I should be doing. Let me focus on what I'm good at. And I mean, the jury's still out, right? We'll know in 80 days <laughs> when we get through all this. So next 12 to 18 months is really letting this consulting take its place. And that's going to form a lot of movement yeah. in the business. So, but t tell me like, what, what is your vision for the next 12 to 18 months for the business? So the next 12 months, my goal is to get through the 90 day and we're still making changes, but we're trying to make them on a small level. Um, after that 90 day, I've hope we've made some big leaps. And then I want to spend the next 90 days that kind of, you know, so let's call it quarter. So second quarter, we're doing this third quarter. I want to implement those changes. And by the fourth quarter of this year, I want to be sitting, not running the sales meeting, running the acquisitions team anymore. I'm hoping I've gotten them to that level because they've all been here years. We're not hiring new people. It's just the leadership above them. I'm taking that role. But honestly, most of these people, they just need a little help and some processes put in place that have kind of gone by the wayside. It happens. And they, they've got it. They're good folks. They're, they're good at what they do. And then my goal is to continue down the syndication model. Um, not everything we do will be a syndication. Don't get me wrong. I mean, we've got a, you know, we've got our own 800 pound grill and if we can take some stuff down, we will. Um, but like shopping center, we close on next week. We, we didn't need the syndication, but I'm doing it to make the relationships. You know, we know there's a lot of guys in our town that, you know, these guys got money, there's deep pockets and they, they still want to play the game. They just don't want to pound the pavement. And we're, I'm perfectly fine pounding the pavement, right? Like we'll be the guy getting the roof bids and painting the outside. I sat in a meeting with some investors a while back and I told them like, I will make you money. You give me money and I will make you money. I mean, we're two, three times in people's money, right? Like, just give me the money and let me go to work for you. I'm 37 years old. You know, I, I, my goal is to take it easy when my first kid goes to college and I'm 50. That's not right now, you know? Um, so that is my goal. I want to get, I got to get my house in order. I, I, I want to get the existing divisions ready where they completely run themselves with just maybe some oversight for me and a leadership team in place that can do that. And get a leadership team in place to where if one piece falls, there are other pieces to put in. That the way we are now, one piece falls and we have to jump back in. You know, my business partner already says, he goes, I run to the fire. You know, like, tell me what's, he walks in here and that's what he's good at. He will go in his military background. He will put a process in place and you're not, you're not getting him to, he will not take a left or right. He's, he's got it. But he'll come in here and go, okay, what's on fire? Where do you need me? Like, you know. And that's what we do. I told them, we got to get past that point. We should be sitting in here not going, what fire do we need to put out? Like, what are we building today? What are, how are we growing? It's like I told the team, and we're growing for y'all. It's opportunities for everyone. You know, the sky is the limit. We've, I've, I always use the word like a ceiling. I've never known what a ceiling is. I still to this day, they go, well, when are you going to stop? When is enough? I don't know. Like, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't limit myself that way. But syndication is definitely our big route. You know, we want to, you know. 200 units, 300 units. I mean, I'm definitely like, you know, like everybody else, you probably hear it's, it's the old cliche. I want a billion dollars assets under management. You know, we're a hundred million plus today. Um, and only, uh, 10 million of that is syndicated, you know, and well, so we're about 110. So we have a hundred million of our own assets under management with about 10 million syndicated. Um, 
and we have two more closings coming up. But I want to see that billion dollar mark. You know, I, I want to see our team be able to grow to that level and just really create that generational wealth. But the next six months, we're still putting offers in, don't get me wrong, but it is not as heavy as it was. And right now, honestly, it doesn't need to be as heavy as it is. You know, the better deals will be had, you know, if you wait a little bit longer, they're starting, you know, to adjust themselves. But next six months is really just getting this team to where they can, it is a smooth running, you know, machine. Totally. So you get to the billion dollars of mass of assets under management. Let's just say you get a billion dollars in your bank account. What does life look like for you? You know, bigger deals, <laughs> honestly, probably, you know, got a billion in the bank and we're going to do even bigger deals. You know, my thing is I definitely want to be at the point, you know, so I have a 10 year old, so eight years, I'm 37. So when I'm 45, I don't want to be completely out of it, but I definitely want to be at a point to where, you know, I'm taking fright, you know, where I'm able to, you know, leave Friday and not that we don't do that now, right? I take vacations. I don't, I don't constantly work 80 hours a week, but you know, if my, if one son goes to college here, one son here and a daughter here, you know, I want a condo every place my kids are in college or where they end up living with my grandkids. I want to be able to travel, spend that time with them. It's, it's all about family to me. You know, I, old TV show I used to watch for every Sunday, the family gets together and has a Sunday dinner. Like that's on my bucket list, hundred percent, you know, having the, all my kids and grandkids around there with the family dinner. So, you know, that, I would still want to grow the business. Someone I've been asked plenty of times. So you want your kids to come take over these businesses. And I've told my team here, I'm not saying that's a thing, you know, Victoria is great. It's done me well. I love my town, but if my kids graduate and go, dad, I want to go to New York and develop real estate. All right. I just want to be in a position where I can help them do that. You know? So that's where I see it. I want to get to that level. I want to see, I don't have the company where it's like, oh, my kids are going to graduate college, come in, take over, and then we'll see what happens. I would never do that to the team I have sitting out there. They put in too many years, right? My kids can work here and see if they get promoted in the ranks, right? But they're not going to come in and be CEO on day one. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's billion dollars to me is, I hope we hit that in the next three years and our goal is two or three at that point, right? But yeah, um, I don't think we'll ever stop. I really don't. Right on. Well, Brian H. Ferguson, thank you so much for sharing about your life and your business. And for guys listening, I mean, there's so many nuggets to take away here from the growth trajectory to the reinvestment to the hiring practices and the goals. So just write something down that, that hits you, that's meaningful to you. Share it with somebody you know so they can hold you accountable, take action. Because freedom is acquired one action at a time. And if you take steps day by day before you know it, you'll be living a life of freedom. Thank you guys for tuning in and we'll catch you on the next episode.